0: So I'm going to, usually I ask the guests to introduce themselves, but you know what? I think I know you well enough. You can do it. Mr. Zach Maklovich. I'll correct you if you make any I'll mistakes. I'll let you add on anything if if you feel it's necessary. Thank you. So today in the house, we got Zach Maklovich, owner of Apartment 200 LA, Apartment 200 Montreal, Apartment 200 Toronto, the St. Woods brand, École Privé. I'm trying to list off everything. Loic. Uh... St. Wood's Vodka,
1: what did, what else did I miss? Suu, Suu, yeah. Uh, names on the way, yeah. Um, we have our carpet brand that we've been launching catalog three as well. Okay, uh, that we launched earlier this year. Um, opening up the new spot doubles that'll be opening up next month. So that's not, I guess that doesn't count yet, but that'll be coming soon. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. So. Are you gonna
0: add that in your bio, your Instagram bio?
1: I'm thinking about changing the Instagram bio. <laughs> okay. To be honest with you, I think okay. right now it's really um. <laughs> I, I get a lot of questions where people think, you know, and I, and I don't knock it, but people are like, think I'm kind of more of a promoter. So I think I'm thinking about changing it. So it shows less, says a little bit less. Uh, my partner, Nate, is much better at like saying less. And it's something that it's kind of like my t- one of my 2023 resolutions is say more by saying less. You less know? is more. Yeah, sometimes. Definitely on social media, I think. Yeah, but. That's, I think you did a good job, honestly. Better than I expected. Again, I've, I've watched a couple of these episodes. I think that's that's a great intro. I'll take it, <laughs> for sure. Well,
0: thank you very much for being here today. And for those of you that don't know, Zach and I, we go way back. We've known each other. We were acquaintances at the age of, uh, I don't know, 14, 15. When yeah. In high school, we went to different high schools. And then we developed a closer relationship uh, 17, 18. When we right, started working. Right on CJEP, yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, started at CJEP, we worked at those... Had a great program, parks program, which was a, or day, back then it was sports camps, so then we moved to parks program where, yep. um, you know we were just able to get to know each other more both on like as friends and as you know both I think both of our competitive natures spoke to each other and <laughs> that got it going we'll leave that for a different interview but um, no we know each other for quite some time definitely get to, it's been a pleasure to see you to already, see you, you, grow. you
0: already brought it up you already I, got it's, that it's, part I up. brought
1: it up quickly so we could move past it i wanted to start with that and then we can get going we can move past that i wasn't i'm not going to bring up any specifics We've heated the audience, rivalries. The
0: audience right now is probably like,
1: what, what the, the hell, hell are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> this is not a this is an inauspicious start, but at least <laughs> I know it's gonna be an honest conversation.
0: <laughs> okay, so um, I wanna I wanted to start off with what is, you know, you you're you've always been very entrepreneurial and the podcast, so the freemium podcast, we kind of I like to, you know, we talk about all t- types of things, but mm-hmm. the audience that we have is more um, it's a professional audience i guess you could say young professionals let's let's call it that people have just started their new businesses people who have existing businesses people who take their careers um they want to level up their careers i guess we can kind of say
1: so stressed out individuals yes definitely
0: that you've always been extremely extremely entrepreneurial entrepreneurial difficult to say that word you're not afraid to try new things and so one of the first things i want to talk to you about is let's let's talk about the brand of of saint woods
1: cool yeah um appreciate that thank you i mean So St. Woods, um, what a lot of people might not know is I actually didn't start the brand St. Woods, right? Like I I was, uh, I bought into St. Woods. It was a company that my now business partner Nathan and three of his friends started while they were in university. They moved to Montreal from Toronto um, and identified that within the McGill ecosystem back then, and it's important, I'll just make a quick caveat. You know, uh, as entrepreneurs, it's important to look at cultural trends and shifts within our environments, and I think that where the original St. Woods was, um, off the jump, they identified an opportunity by, th- that there was an opportunity to monetize the party aspect of university. And they really were at the forefront of introducing international DJs and 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 global talents to froshes, specifically in McGill and, you know, that university, um, that massive university subculture that we have here. So, you know, they were bringing in artists ranging from, like, Skrillex to Kid Cudi back in, you know, this is probably 10 years ago, if not a bit more, Um, definitely more now, probably closer to like 13 or 14 years ago. And, you know, now it's so normal that you'll see, you know, Carnage is playing at like uh, Georgia University Frosh. But back then that wasn't the way it worked, you know. So they really were at the forefront of that. And they started doing events all over, um, all over, kind of eastern canada so everything from the maritimes to all over ontario and their university markets and they did really well for themselves and then as you know like i kind of had my own nightlife kind of career on the side i started when i was really young we could probably talk about that a bit later definitely um but so i had my own thing and then uh, i got to meet nathan as his friends were kind of moving on to their careers that uh, they've all done incredibly incredibly well for themselves but they they were kind of tired of saint woods and it, the the goal for saint woods was always to create a lifestyle brand and i think where we were able to kind of when we met, when Nathan and myself met, I was able to bring my strengths and my understanding of, you know, the fashion industry. I had, I had a clothing brand uh, when I was really young, like eighteen or nineteen, called Myron's, and I think that my, I
0: that, that I modeled for that
1: you modeled for. And you did a great <laughs> job. I wish you would still model, to be honest with you. But um, you and Peter and Brent <laughs> yeah, still rem- one of the gr- that shot's that. iconic. Um, <laughs> my mom has it framed in her crib. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, I uh, so. I met Nathan and we had the ability, you know, we really saw eye to eye and I never really had like a true business partner. I had guys that I worked with at specific bars under like specific nights, but I didn't really have a guy that like, oh shit, I can build with somebody, you know? I found my, the the yin to my yang as I like to say, you know? And um, when we met, I didn't really have a brand. Like I had Myron's, my clothing brand, but I didn't have like an event company that I I worked with. So, you know, um, a very long story short, me and nate decided to partner and i ended up getting in on half of saint woods and we had that brand together and then it was our goal to kind of merge my my market that was kind of more montreal outside of university and his university market into one kind of to just have like the young nightlife scene kind of unlock. um and then when we were doing that you know we were always giving out like merch like just like party swag because again Uh, you want people repping your brand and you know you want to give a girl the the pretty girls at the party something to go home with so they remember who threw the party etc um and then people really started wanting that gear like you know we'd make 30 t-shirts and they'd be gone before we threw the party because people would be you know eating eating it up uh and then we decided to kind of monetize that and now you know i think we can get into the details but over the last 10 years we managed to turn what were a couple t-shirts that we would give away into a uh more than six figure clothing brand that is sold on uh, every continent and is uh, well represented by celebrities and you know
0: i mean yeah because that that's one thing i'll i'll pump your tires a little bit please do <laughs> <laughs> i mean you tagged i follow you on instagram i follow saint woods on instagram as well i mean justin bieber was rocking your stuff the other day there, yeah, there are serious ago. there are serious celebrities yeah. uh, a-list celebrities that wear your absolutely your stuff
1: absolutely I mean a lot of that comes from like you know stylists that reach out to us it's not and um, you know how does
0: that work by just a quick question just a little quick detour here when celebrities so for example let's take Justin Bieber Uh, is he purchasing that or are you guys sending the merch for free
1: Um, for the most part like I I don't exactly know how Justin got those shorts I, I know that at times we've sent packs to his team or to his stylists Um, but I, I can't remember if the shorts were in there. It's not like, like, you know, so sometimes, uh, these guys will have, it's hard to say because every celebrity or every A-list or not even A-list, just anybody that you want to see, you know, because for us, as much as it's great to have, it's incredible to have a talent like Justin Bieber or whoever those, like, you know, Kate Trinata, a friend of ours or whatever that, that will... wear and support our brand that's incredible but there's also like you know we've seen a lot of success in supporting what i like to call like you know micro influencers is such a corny term like i I don't like using it but like community leaders in a wide range of different like cultural levels so everything from a party promoter to a local dj to the coolest waiter at an obscure restaurant that hip people go to like you want to make sure that the right people are wearing your gear so Gifting is a big part of what we do to target the right people, but then what will happen often is they'll, they'll like the brand and they'll buy into it, and the next thing you know, we'll see orders coming in from them. And also what will happen is they'll have a personal shopper or they'll have an account at a specific boutique, and they'll be, let's say, we have a, a great partner in the Webster. They're a big, they're a fantastic clothing store that has uh, locations all over North America. They have a lot of celebrities that come there. And often they'll walk in with their stylist and they'll walk out with a couple St. Woods pieces next to their, you know, uh, the Casablanca or the Dior, or whatever else they're buying. So there's a, there's any number of ways they get it, but um, I think that people, I, I, I like to think that characters like the ones we've mentioned appreciate how real we are as a brand, and what we kind of try and do for culture overall, and the way we try and bring people together, and you know, thankfully, it's resonating.
0: Because you guys, what what you've always been very good at is the, I guess, is this going to stay this complimentary the whole time? <laughs> this is fantastic. It's the nicest Curtis has ever been to me. Fifteen years, have been this nice to me. <laughs> One thing, no, because y- your strength is definitely when it comes to brand. I guess we can call it the artistic side. I don't know if that's, you know, you're you're more in tune with this, with the terms than I am.
1: Yeah. Funnily enough, I, d- I don't do the artistic stuff at St. Woods. Okay. That's not my job.
0: But you understand brand, you, un- how do I say this? You're just good at brand. You're good at branding yourself and you're good at branding other things and you're good at it's one thing too. so for example and we can kind of get into this a little bit later but so you have a clothing line and a lot of uh, you work in hospitality. Mm -hmm. um, You own several bars and restaurants and all the places that you own. You're very good at getting people to come to these locations. Yeah, that's that says something like every location that you're involved with you understand human nature very well and what's cool and what isn't and what people want and what they don't because it's it's not i'm not that good at the branding side of things so i
1: think that branding i think branding marketing uh you know a, a lot of what those were traditionally defined as what but branding and marketing were traditionally defined as it's been completely turned on its head in the last five years in what way um so i think that what myself and Nate and our our amazing team of young people that helped me do I wouldn't be able to do anything if it wasn't for the people that we have working with us Um, I think what we're good at is is studying and understanding macro social trends or maybe micro social trends but really being aware and being honest with ourselves about what the community that we're trying to speak to whether that be right the clothing community and The community for apartment and the community for a coal and the community for lowick there might be some intersection there but they're all very distinct groups right um or somewhat distinct groups and i think that whenever you're starting a business ranging from our carpet company to our clothing brand to our vodka you need to think about okay who is my who's my honest consumer not who is my aspirational consumer or um you know, who do I wish would come here, but who's coming here right now, Mm -hmm. right? How do I communicate with them? And then how can I, without losing who I already have, go and find what I want, go and get that aspiration. Expand people. Expand it. But you gotta look at it as a calculation, right? Like as much as, to your point um, earlier, like it might come off as artistic, it isn't really, it, it's it's more mathematical where you look at like, okay, this is who people are listening to, this is what they're listening to right now. Now you might say, okay, well you have a keen understanding of musical trends or this or that, but it's more of like a, okay, get an understanding of the music, that's that's one. Get an understanding of the lighting, that's two. Get an understanding of the kind of people that's in there, that's plus three, right? Like I'm talking about staff or your manager. And you, you really just have to to add all that stuff up to get to that total that you're trying to hit it's it there's no uh secret metric to it or, or or crazy like philosophy that we use differently than somebody else i think that it's that we look at it emotion free and we say okay what is it going to take to attain this goal what do we really need to do step by step to go and be the hottest restaurant okay we need maybe we need to improve our food okay what are th- what do we do to get there well we need to find a chef that's going to design the menu we need to find a, sh- a sous chef that we can trust to, to run the kitchen or a uh, chef to cuisine to be a
0: number two to okay, be number a number two, two yep. who can
1: execute regularly. Yep. We need to do the marketing for that food to make sure that people understand it. Maybe we want to do a media night or a blog or, or you know get some press around it. But when you do all those four things, if you do all of those four all of those four things successfully, you will attain the goal you wanted. Mm. That's just the way. That's just the way, in my opinion, business works. And I think that the reason we've been able to see the kind of success and growth we've had. Um, over the last 10 years is because we really do like we add it up you know what i mean like okay we want service to improve or we want the quality of our product and the clothing to improve okay well we're not going to stop until we find the right manufacturer we're not going to stop until either we our managers or or, or our operations team agree with us or like we're all on the same page and we're all going on that same direction but it's really uh it's it's staying true and staying honest to where you are and where you want to go and being setting realistic goals and steps to get there and if you follow those goals and step, if you follow those steps and attain those goals you're gonna get there like that's the way i think business works right it's not there's not so much luck in it there's no you know nobody has a magic wand where i'm like and this is going to be successful right like it's not really how we hit it yeah
0: but you're right there's no it's never a guarantee but you know most of the places that you open they're always busy yeah, but I so think... So there, there's something... No, you, you, I don't think you realize, though, but your brain... and I, Man, I just keep pumping your tires. I love this. i got to come here more often. Go yeah. freemium. No, but but it's like... What you're explaining to me right now, my brain doesn't work like this. I'm more... Um, even though you said it's math... I don't find what you just said mathematical. You said at the beginning, you go, it's quite mathematical, actually. I I don't... My brain doesn't work the same well, way I think that your brain that, works. I, I think
1: then where, where we can where that can expand to let's to continue this conversation i think that um i think you can train your brain to look at it mathematically i think that you can start identifying challenges that may seem very daunting to you because maybe you don't fully understand it like for example if you told me zach you got to make the food better at restaurant a that's a goal well at first as somebody who can barely cook a Decent, can he really cook a sandwich? That's the level of food of knowledge I have. He can barely make a sandwich that he wants to eat at his house. How am I going to design a menu that people from around the city, a, a city like Montreal that has such an incredible food culture, yeah, we do. how am I going to f- fix the food scene in my restaurant? Well, the first thing is admitting that I have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm. Right? And then the next thing is finding people within my network or making friends or reaching out to people that I aspire to work with and and landing on somebody who can help me. And then you gotta allow that person to be better at the job than you are, and listen to them, and talk to them, and support them in helping you reach where you wanna go. Now, that goes for every level of my business. That goes from the graphic design. Like I'll say, for Loic, for example, I knew that for the branding for Loic, we, I wanted to do something that kinda gave me a Swiss poster Bauhaus vibe. I knew that that would, I thought that that would personally speak to the demographic that we're trying you see, to reach. see,
0: what you just said, my brain would never say that. <laughs> yeah i mean um i would walk in and go oh i like the lighting you know, that's the extent of what my yeah brain but, would but say. i
1: think that when you do it full time like when that's when when speaking to people without them knowing you're speaking to them is your yeah. full-time job yeah you 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 learn that when you walk into a restaurant when you interact with a restaurant or a, or a hospitality product you're always talking to your client. You're talking to them by the social media that you post, by the lighting when you walk in, by the way that your waitress or bartender are dressed, by the greeting that your hostess gives, by the quality of the food, you're talking to them constantly, right? Mm -hmm. And in today's world with the way social media and with the way our phones are always just in our hand, um, your brand is always speaking to people. One of the reasons why I love what you're doing here, pump your tires for a second, (laughs) um, is that You're finding a way to, for KBD to speak to your demographic and to the people that you would eventually work like to work with, in different ways than a normal. We're trying to
0: the same thing as what you were saying earlier. We're trying to speak to our existing clientele, and then we are obviously trying to expand our. Our clientele expand the network obviously we'd like to continue to grow as a business and how do you do that you more people know about the brand and more
1: people interact with the exactly brand. and they and they get to know you and they trust the business yeah. and I think that yeah. you know to, to let's say we were using Loic as an example mm-hmm. like I knew I, I, I do buy because I, I do like collecting design books I like I love visual advertising it's something I've loved since I was a kid my parents were in ad sales my dad specifically was in print ad sales. It was always something that really interested me. My mom would bring me to the museum as a kid four times a year, like like clockwork. We'd go on a specific dates, you know, birthdays or Mother's Day, whatever, yeah, when your, we'd travel. Your parent,
0: both your parents are very cultured. Yeah, I
1: like to think so. You know, they're both insane, but uh, <laughs> cul- they're also cultured. Um, and they, they would really, um, oh, all, all to say that when it came to Loic, um, I, maybe I, I had an idea of what I wanted to do with the visual direction. Now I have an amazing player on our team, this kid, Nick Schmidt. I, I, I joke that he's like, a, he's a walking mood board. The guy has a visual memory of, uh, he's the best I know. You know what I mean? And if I say Nick, I, I really want to do some kind of Swiss poster thing. These are some images that I found. Can you help me build out this mood board? Nick takes my brief and comes back to me with 10 pages of incredible graphic design inspiration. Well, then I have Thomas, our creative director and Flo, our, our lead designer take that and we distill it together. Okay, what are the rules for the brand? What's our color palette? How can we take these shapes that we're seeing throughout uh, Bauhaus and Swiss poster design and how can we bring that and speak into a modern, a bit more modern, but that still is inspired by that? And then how can we make sure that it's still communicating the information that we needed to communicate? And how do we make sure it doesn't get stale after two What's months or three months? Yeah. Exactly, so um, again, as somebody who has no idea how, how Illustrator or Photoshop works, I'm still able to create an an infrastructure that is allowing me to produce what I want to produce.
0: So here, Zach, before before we go on, I would like for you to, because I even have questions about St. Woods as well. I understand the global picture of how it is. You have St. Woods as the brand, so you have the clothing, you have the vodka underneath, and then... Can you just explain the organizational structure of St. Woods? Because we haven't gotten into that. What exactly does St. Woods do? What
1: exactly does St. Woods do? Okay. Um, So first and foremost, uh, we are a product-based company. So we sell everything from clothing to home goods to accessories. That is the core of what St. Woods' ethos is, is. We create products that speak to our demographic. Our demographic are people that are interested at the intersection of music art and culture that are aware of current trends but maybe not wanting to follow them fully they want to express themselves they want a bit of tongue-in-cheek they want a bit of humor they want to know that the quality is there and they appreciate luxury items that would be like the very quick this is why I think st. woods demo is now does that shift is that everybody who buys our brand no um, but that's kind of where I think we like to – we don't take what we do too, too seriously in the sense where we don't think fashion needs to be austere and, like, look at how cool we are. we're in fashion. I think we want fashion to be fun and accessible, um, but it's still premium and it's not cheap. So that that's what St. Woods clothing is. Now, The if we're going to talk, like, corporate structure, um, St. Woods as an office, we have two main – forms of revenue. We have the products that we sell and we have the contracts that we work on. Now, if you work at St. Woods, which again, I have an amazing team of about 12 full-timers that um, truly are some of the most amazing young people I've, that, that, that I'm blessed to get to work with on a daily basis, and they all bat way above their weight and they're, they're amazing. Um, but you wear a lot of hats, right? So the designer that is helping to design our clothing collection, or Tom, who's the creative director of St. Woods, he is not only doing creative direction for St. Woods' pop-up shops, clothing releases, and home goods, he's also doing the creative direction for our hospitality clients. Now, the ecosystem that we've developed is that each of those aforementioned bars and restaurants that you spoke about, St. Woods does the marketing, branding, brand development program for those businesses. Got it. So they... Um, we work on a retainer and our own businesses pay instead of paying another and outside agency, we're able to pay ourselves and that helps us establish a more consistent. So it's like, so
0: St. Woods, if I'm understanding correctly, let's just, let's, it could be split 50% into more or less a marketing agency or a branding agency. Yeah. Let's say marketing and branding. Sure. Yeah. And the other half would be selling actual tangible products. Absolutely.
1: Now St. Woods it. vodka yeah, is not under St. Wood's clothing. In fact, it it lands more s- s- more similarly to, uh, like our hospitality products. So it's an outside co. Got it. Um, not to get into the nitty gritty. Maybe this is for the deep cuts. People who watch the whole podcast.
0: <laughs> but uh, so you have, but do you have St. Woods the holding company, and then have these as subsidiaries underneath of the hold no. co, or so it's, ju- it's just so this myself, one So I have a hold co, okay. and then. Well, that's you personally. I'm talking the actual So St.
1: Woods doesn't own the hospitality products. Got it. It's their they're separate businesses and different shareholders in each of those.
0: When you say that, okay, so St. Woods does not have equity in any of the restaurants. No. Got it. But they will handle the marketing and the branding of the restaurants. They are one of our clients. And the restaurants, yeah. not let's, I don't care which ones, but some of them will pay St. Woods. To, all of them. Ha- they all pay that. Got it. When you go in, do you make that as part of the deal? So say, hey, I'm going to come... I want equity in this restaurant, I want equity in this well, hospital. We,
1: we tend to quarterback a lot of the products that we develop, right? So the hospitality projects that we're developing, for the most part, uh, all but one, were projects that we developed. We worked with our partners A5 in developing financing and putting the rest of the team together, but all of them, uh, for the most part, except for names, were, were products that like we started the development of. So it's not like I'm really pitching to anybody. It's, and and the people we bring on are aware that that is just the nature of the beast. You mm-hmm. want, and also you're gonna need to pay somebody to do that work, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you're you silly if you think you're gonna open up a barn. Not you're silly. Maybe you're trying to speak to a dim- different demographic. Maybe you're, uh, I, I think today brands you can't develop a brand without a good visual language without good social media without good cultural programming i would totally agree so I would um, totally. you're gonna pay somebody to do that if you want to be a successful hospitality product you got to pay somebody Because
0: if you're not doing it everyone else is exactly
1: and so it's chi- and we charge honestly we charge a very fair price for the amount of products the amount of service that we offer so it's not like we're we're rinsing our partners or we're rinsing our businesses we're giving them a fair deal we're doing really good work, so why would they be unhappy about that, you know? Um, and it allows us to to get into the nitty-gritty of, you know, that entrepreneurial life, um, manage our cash flow, have a definitely consistent revenue source, um, and it allows... It's very
0: similar to insurance, because retainer, it's like annual recurring revenue. It's every month, and you get yeah. the same thing, recurs, recurs, recurs. and you It's know, very as, stable for as, cash flow, and you can predict... A lot more. It's way easier to make a budget because you can more easily predict your revenue
1: for the year. Well yeah, and then and then clothing. That. You know, um, as much as thankfully we've been selling, seeing good, great sell sell throughs both direct to consumer and through wholesale. Um, it's not as stable. It's just not. As, sure. It's, it, there are more. You know, no matter how much you love a collection, or no matter how, no matter how much you love a piece, or you invested in it, it doesn't guarantee that it's going to be your best seller. You obviously have certain seasons that are better than others and you need to make sure you can keep the lights on and you got you know um one thing i'm very proud of is that myself and nate never really had any like very real outside financing you know um we've had some help over the years we work with some financial institutions and financial partners that help us but it's not like we were one of those businesses that started with any of our parents money you know uh or where we had some form of like yeah we're going to start this business and have a million in the bank and then from there we can you know do everything as we go we've been can you talk about the beginning
0: would you be comfortable talking about which financial institutions because everyone and this is something that I've talked about a lot with other people that have come onto the podcast there's one recurring theme every single business needs cash to start up and a lot of times you don't have the cash yourself so you have to go find that cash somewhere and a lot of times for businesses just starting out you can't go to a regular bank. They're not going to give you the money. So you can never. So uh,
1: whether you're a business that's just starting <laughs> off or not, if you're in Canada, don't go to a bank. I can't. Uh, w- Nobody. We have can. 30 employees. I can't get money from a bank. I have 110 employees at all the bars and <laughs> restaurants. I can't get money. They look at yeah. me like, "Oh, what's a bar and a restaurant? Like, yeah. what do you eat, bro?" Like, so where, where did you get, um, or
0: where do you, and where did you get your capital, pr- your money? Primarily to start? private lenders. Okay. Primarily private. So lenders. individuals.
1: Individuals. Okay. Um, as we've gotten a little bit bigger. You know, there's some great programs in Canada. BDC is surprisingly, yes. su- like not surprisingly, BDC is a government organization that does a lot of good work, especially during COVID, man. That that should help a lot. I'm sure. You know? uh, PME is another great program for yeah. those who are based in Montreal. They offer a lot of solutions and they have a really great staff that implicates themselves. And does interest-
0: PME? I've not. I don't. I don't fully understand what it is exactly that they do do they lend money to all different types of industries or do they have a
1: niche no they're 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 there to they're bdc for montreal got it so they're 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 a fund that is there to help maybe uh, also call pme they'll probably do a better job of describing themselves (laughs) than i will but from what i understand they're a fund of public money that is there to support entrepreneurs and you know uh help people because is in it Canada, loans or do they it's take? It's both. There's equity? loans and grants. There's no equity. No equity. No, no okay. equity. PDC same thing. No equity. Okay, um, interesting. Loans and grants. Can you the mic a little bit closer, no problem. Yeah, you loans it. and no grants. Pro- no problem, Joey. No problem, Joey. Got your big man. um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, do you want me to read it? I, I think that question's good. We can keep going.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And honestly, I like when this type of stuff is actually in the podcast. Gotcha. Comes across It yeah. yeah. comes across as more
1: authentic. Good. Because well, this is the most, pretty authentic. this
0: is the most authentic podcast Hell you're ever yeah. going to hear. There's a by dog the way, you room. can swear if, yeah, there's a, there's a dog. Yeah,
1: there's right a here. fucking dog in this No, room. it's my, it's my dog. Don't yeah. talk to her about Sorry. Don't
0: talk to her like that. It's okay. Um, yeah, you can, uh, you can swear here if you want, good, by the
1: good. way. I, I mean, I was going to wait, uh, for once me they to swear off, first. Once I top off my glass with that St. Wood's vodka, maybe I'll start getting a little bit crazy. Okay, guys.
0: so St. Wo- there, there's something, because we've talked about St. Wood's vodka as well. Mm-hmm. So St. Wood's, the actual brand itself, the organization makes sense. You yeah. have the marketing side of things. Fi- let's call it 50% of revenue from um, product. Yeah. Pro- and then the other part from product, the St. Wood's vodka part. And this is something that I know you're very passionate about as well. I do okay. love drinking vodka. What's, okay, so you make, number one. How do you make this? So we, and have, uh, hold on, let me finish my question, please. <laughs> number one, you said number one, I was, yeah. I, said, I was gonna, gonna go out to number two, two. I was all gonna right. say number two. So, uh, and number two, why don't you, and you can let it all out? I'm gonna let it all why out. Why don't you sell St. Wood's vodka to all the bars and restaurants that you own here in Montreal? Well, I, I do, you do, but I remember. Okay, I'll let you. I'll let well, you. So, I'm, I'm mistaken. So yeah,
1: first of all, Curtis is wrong. Something that we'll see will happen probably a couple times throughout this podcast. <laughs> I do sell the vodka to all the bars and restaurants. Are we
0: gonna I start own. shitting on each other no, now? No, no, no. It's we're keeping, done. we no.
1: Compliment season is done. <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna go straight to shitting on each other, but uh, <laughs> no. Um, so we do sell Saint Was vodka to all the product, all the bars and restaurants okay. that we own. Um, they're,
0: the reason I asked that, I just want to put this in. The reason I asked that question, I remember when you had first. When the product was finally finished mm-hmm. and it was ready to start selling to or to these uh, restaurants or bars, or whatever, you were expressing your frustration with the SAQ and the fact that I don't even remember the whole entire process, no, but just kind I, of how I don't ridiculous think, I don't it was. Think,
1: I don't think it's fair to blame the organization that is the SAQ. I think that um I think that when you look at the way when, when you give governments control over certain sectors of industry, mm-hmm. whether it be alcohol, I think a lot of people are seeing it within the cannabis industry. Yep. Um, when you overregulate a product, la paperasse, the, the paperwork becomes key. To, like, they love paperwork, right? When you, when you, because they're not entrepreneurs, their goal is to hire people and to create jobs. And to protect the those that could be negatively affected by these businesses, <clears throat> right? Now, the difficulty. It's a very
0: nice way to put it, but you know they are
1: my partners, right? I gotta, I'm trying to be a polite <laughs> yeah, that here. Makes sense. Um, but there are definite in like, especially now that we're expanding to the states. By the way, our vodka is made in the states. Important to mention, okay. and. So uh, one of the reasons why it's been so challenging is that I'm essentially imp- I'm importing the product. Yes. It's an import. Now, if I was making my vodka in Quebec, it would be far easier for me to, let's say, break, to get better treatment, although it's not like the SAQ is specifically giving me bad treatment. It's just they really prioritize and support Quebec businesses. Now, regardless of the fact that the primary owners of this business live in Quebec, or are Canadian, if I'm not making it with Quebec distillers, they don't give a shit, I'm an import.
0: And the reason why you are making it in the US, I would assume is because the cost is significantly less than Um, if you were to make it here in Quebec.
1: No, it's that my, I want to eventually, my main goal is to be a big product in the US. So as much as I'm dealing with some challenges now, it would be easier because the U.S. Is, is much less regulated, right? Yeah. So e- even with that, it's going to be easier for me to be based in the U.S. and ship it all over the states than it would be for me to have it based in Quebec and ship it all over the states, mm. right? So, um, yeah, it, what, what was difficult... Um, Also, the SAQ is going through a lot of their own challenges right now. They've got big issues within their negotiations between the union and their executives. Um, And, you know, they they had a lot of strikes. They had a lot of issues with COVID and and their distributions and warehouses, and there were massive backlogs. So there have been a lot of challenges of getting product out. And then also just the way that the pricing structure works is pretty savage. Like, they definitely make their guap. Uh, which is great you know what I mean like it pays for a lot of people's jobs and it's it, it's it also pays.
0: It. it pays for a lot of social services here well, in Quebec There's that's that it side it's of the number it one
1: it's the it's it, I think it's like the second or third largest revenue maker for the Quebec government last is time SAQ. I checked
0: and I don't have the exact numbers but the last time I checked I think the profit that the SAQ makes every year was two or two and a half billion dollars yeah. per year which is refunded back into social services for Quebec so I, I understand that part too
1: it's the just part it, that just it comes down to me. the micro when it comes down to the yeah. micro like I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you the system like let's say uh, my bottle of vodka cost X to make yeah. yes like you says okay with your profit how much are you going to sell it to me for I go with I'm going to charge to you at let's say you know X they're like great that's the money you get here's your X there's it we're going to resell it at four times X okay got it Now even though So if
0: you were to So hold on. So if you were it costs you ten dollars example, it costs you ten dollars to make a bottle, you go to the SAQ, hey SAQ, I'm gonna sell this to you at fifteen dollars per unit. I make fifty I make five dollars, fifty percent, they're gonna sell it at sixty dollars.
1: Those aren't the exact numbers, but you're getting it in principle. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um and you have no say over what they sell it at. Interesting. So the only way to make that price lower is say instead of it being Fifteen dollars. Well, instead of making fifty percent off my bottle, I'll make twenty percent off my bottle. So I'll sell it to you for twelve, and then instead of it being sixty, it's forty-eight. Is
0: every single type of spirit always sold at multiples of four? No.
1: So within your category, they have a number Uh, of reasons why they get to the number they get to. Got it. Where it's coming from? Wines aren't taxed as much as hard liquors, et cetera. So so I'm
0: sure Grey Goose, for example. And because it comes from France, Quebec and France typically have a pretty. I wouldn't know. I I I don't know it, I okay. don't know
1: the exacts, but I'm sure that even just the volume that they're buying, that they're in mm-hmm. far, they're they're definitely more able they have, to. They have economies of scale. They have that, economies that of scale have, that, I have, yeah. that I don't have, not yeah. even close. Yeah. Um. Not yet, but not even close. <laughs> yeah. And um. Now, where it gets frustrating is I'll give you a couple examples. I then want to. Because I'm proud of my product and it's your two-year, 10-year anniversary of KBD. I say, I'm going to give you guys a case of vodka. I have to buy back that entire case at their retail price. I get no discount. To sell it in your restaurants? No, even to give it away. If I want to give it away. In Quebec. In Quebec as promo, I'm paying full retail for it. Are you listening to this, Joey? Joey, (laughs) you get this? You're getting where I'm going with this? Um, Now... It gets worse when it comes into my own bars and restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. So, when it's my own bars and restaurants again, I'm paying retail. Now, remember, I just sold it to them at X and they're selling it back to me at 4X. Uh-huh. It's my they haven't done they they took a box I gave them and they're giving me back a, back a box I gave them. <laughs> yeah. And I'm paying four times as much. Now, that's one tax. Don't forget I'm also paying sales tax on that. Right? And then don't forget after they get the sales tax, the revenue I make at the end of the year, I'm paying income tax on that. So if you think about how much money the government makes on that one bottle of vodka that I sold to them at X, mm. all the way down the line, now we're not talking about the the employees and the DAS that I'm paying for, this, this is just, that's just on the vodka, you know? And so as a hospitality and as, a, as an alcohol, o- owner of an alcohol brand or partner in an alcohol brand, I can tell you that it's particularly frustrating when we deal with any form of like negative government interactions so like anything from uh less than pleasant police officers and morality police to the language laws to you know you name it when the government is attacking the bar and restaurant business is something that we've both seen for years happen in montreal uh or in quebec particularly and i don't know if that's intentional i don't know where that comes from it's just something that we've lived with here forever i think it probably stems from uh the criminality of the hospitality industry historically in Montreal um, but that's not there anymore but it's right?
0: like that in every other city and l- it's for example, less it's, you it's can honestly take, less No, but I'm saying the criminality so if you look at the history take New York take Boston you could take Chicago totally you could take but all to take Miami got cleaned up but I just want to say this because I want to make mis- ours did because but I agree and I sympathize with you and I've seen it happen I've been there firsthand this doesn't w- when the police come in they kind of bully or hang around it's not pleasant when they're inside of the organization and people end up leaving whether, and it even myself, I'm there, I'm not doing anything illegal but I go. I don't want to hang around here with 10 police officers inside of this bar. No. and and And, but like, I'm just curious why does this, and again, I'm not a, I'm not like a defund the police. It's, we need to have police officers and I do respect them to some regard, but there's the other side of it. It's, they they bully
1: you guys in Montreal well, and again i i don't blame any specific police officer i don't even bl- blame the police in general i think that um i think that i i can just say that in every other market i go to everywhere in the world this ranges from uh paris and london la miami new york it's not Toronto. normal for police to it be is there it is super every night. weird when 10 cops walk <laughs> yeah. into your bar and stop, I'll get, it's true stories, start asking every person of color for a piece of ID. That is really peculiar to me. Like, and when I see that, and when I call them out, they get offended. I'm already offended. God knows my clientele does, has the right to be offended. Whether you're a person of color or not, That's just disgusting. And I see that happen. I've been seeing that happen for 10 years. For 10 years. Now, again, I think it starts with education. I think it starts with normalizing relations. I think it starts with an understanding that over the last fifteen years, I can tell you from a firsthand, um, from firsthand accounts that the level of criminality and hospitality in Montreal has evaporated. Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that's because of the cops, right? Now, and I and I will say that post COVID, although they were they were really hard in bars and restaurants during COVID, yeah. post COVID they've been extremely hands-off. I haven't seen a cop in a bar since that COVID, all the COVID rules and all that stuff. Hmm, that's good. Um, it's been really not, you know, and and uh, I've been working for the Merchants Association for Salem for years. I believe relationships are normalizing, especially on our street, which historically did have a large organized crime component to it. So, you know, I think it's a matter of regaining the trust of uh, police and social services. And having them understand that you know I'm not a criminal. I have university degrees, as do my partners. Uh, we don't deal drugs, nor do we want to. You know what I mean? We don't want to let in under, underage kids. Uh, we don't want to do anything illegal. We're not trying to do cash on the side. You know what I mean? Like we're we're legit businessmen, and and I think that that I think that that's a big challenge to explain to people. You know, I, I'm very lucky that I have this kind of reputation or that we have this reputation of being entrepreneurs because for the most part, you know, when you're in the bar and restaurant business, you're largely looked at as like a party animal, shady, yeah, shady you know, yeah. and like it's, it's, it's been, uh, I've had getting, I've been getting weird comments about what I do for a living f- for my entire life. You know, I've been doing this since I was 16 years old. I'm, I'm 33 now. I've been, I've been in bars and restaurants for more than half my life. Um, and I always get, you know, the best is when you when you first meet the in-laws, right? That's the best conversation. <laughs> so, you know, you, they have this amazing, t- thankfully dated some wonderful women in my life, got this great <laughs> new girl, get to meet her parents. And I come in, I'm bringing my good old Zach Energy, and then it's like, so, you work in the bar and restaurant <laughs> Tell me more. Are you, are you a gangster? You, do th- you know what I mean? Whatever. Um... And I'm, I am I'm happy to say that I think that that reputation is, is is evaporating in a lot of ways. People are understanding that, as we were speaking earlier, there's a lot of art in the entrepreneur, in the, on the, in the, in the hospitality entrepreneur. There's a lot of, a, like, human resources. It's not just a, a game for tough guys and muscle. There's a lot. To be good at it, it takes a lot more. What would you say
0: is your management style? You do have a
1: lot of... People. Unhinged. <laughs> no, it's not. My management style is not unhinged. Yeah. Um, or well, here, you, you know
0: what? No, let, let me be more specific,
1: please. So you do
0: manage um, a large team. You work with a lot of people. You have partners. What would you say? And I, I'm going to have a follow up question after this, but let's start with what would you say you're really good at when it comes to running multiple businesses?
1: good question (laughs) I think (laughs) that um, what I'm good at I've been blessed and lucky to find great people to work with me now whether that's a skill or a talent I don't know but I think I've managed to develop an amazing ecosystem around me that has allowed me to find success I think that there are moments um, where I can be motivational and I can I hope that I excite or or motivate maybe the people around me uh that being said i've also made a ton of mistakes and i've demotivated a lot of people um if there's one thing that i think i need to get a lot better at as i get older that that, that was my next question is being a boss um you know i was exceptionally lucky to be given the opportunity to be a leader at 23 years old to be opening up bars and restaurants at such a young age Um, but in retrospect I was wildly underprepared and immature probably to handle that level of responsibility and I've paid the price for that um, both financially and emotionally over the last 10 years where I've made mistakes because maybe I'm too vested in my projects maybe I'm too emotional maybe I care too much Or maybe all those things are good, but then because of all that stress or that pressure I'm putting on myself, I expect those people who don't have the same vested interest to do what I would do. But just because somebody works for me doesn't mean they care about something as much as I do, and I can't expect them to be as good as maybe I would be. Or maybe expecting somebody to be better at something than I could ever be, right? Let's say a chef that I'm telling him, then make your food better, bro. Well... I can't make my food better, right? So maybe I should have learned how to cook. Or if I don't like the way that they present the wine, maybe i got to learn the wine list, you know? Um, so if there's one thing I would say i got to get better at, if there's one thing I'm looking forward to in the next 10 years, I've, I've always kind of looked at my career in 10-year, maybe five years, but these days, it's getting older, 10 years seems better, you know? This is the 10-year anniversary of us opening up our bars and restaurants. Um i'm incredibly excited and motivated to start evolving my products to be the products that i want and i will be proud of as a 33 year old now i'm very proud of what i've had for the last 10 years and what we've developed and what we've built as a team and as a community but i need to be honest and look at myself and say the next 10 years are not going to be more of the same we're going to get better everywhere um And so I've I've put a lot of pressure on myself. Kind of, It really started in like Q4 of last year and I worked a lot throughout the holidays and like I'm really excited for Q1. And this isn't just for my hospitality projects. This goes for St. Woods too. This goes for our vodka. Like, it's very fun to say I'm an entrepreneur and I own 10 businesses. It's great, or eight, whatever, I don't know what it (laughs) is. Seven or eight, whatever it is. Um, (laughs) But I really want to be better at my job and i've gotten i've done pretty well at being where i am but i am m- extremely motivated and borderline obsessed with getting way better at doing what i'm doing
0: right and now. and how i'm gonna ask you a tough question how or what i think is gonna be tough because this would be a tough question for me how are you gonna get better at this because i know you quite well and i know you can be Impatient, and I know sometimes you can be blunt. Oh, yeah. I know sometimes you can be
1: abrasive. We're going to just keep going that Are you tearing me down? You yeah, can keep going. No, but th- no, but this is I just agree with a- you.
0: everyone has their faults running a business. Yeah, so I think it's a matter of being
1: honest. And I can, compl- you know what? All three of those faults, you're 100% right on. And
0: because sometimes I've worked with you too, not to the same extent of like how you work with, uh, I've never been your partner, but yeah. we've worked. You know, we're i guess you could say we're competitors with one another
1: but we work together we won't bring that up <laughs> but joey i'll tell you after no.
0: i i have seen you sometimes and i think to myself sometimes you look like oh my god this guy must be so fun to work with or work for and sometimes i've been like man i don't know if i don't want to work for this guy i'm i'm just being honest no, right I, now I, and I, i've seen you in when i look like back that. i'm, and I'm sure and i'll just say this too I'm sure some people f- feel the same way about me, so I'm not picking uh, no, on No, it, no, no.
1: And if I'll be honest with you, Curtis, when I look at myself in the mirror and I get home after a long day, bro, the stress I feel or the anxiety I feel when I know I bricked that meeting, when I know I s- took steps in the wrong, dire- the wrong direction with a relationship I want to be building with, um, if you think I'm mad at that person, trust me, I'm angrier with myself because I think that, this last year of reflection coming out of COVID kind of looking around and being like, okay, like, you know, that was two years in break and then one very intense year. That's kind of what the last three years, two years off that you didn't want to take off. And then one fucking nut crazy. And it kept changing when you were back. It was just fucked. Right. But now kind of, there's a little bit more stability. The world feels like it's getting back to its new normal or finding a new normal. Um, but I'm not the same kid I was. Right. I'm not that those three years changed you a lot, changed all of us a lot, but changed me a lot as well. You know, we went from we saw some really hard times throughout COVID, um, really hard. And um, I think it's important for me to be as honest to myself as you were just with me, that there's days where I go home and say, man, it's got to be fun working with Zach today. But there's also a lot of days where I come home and I go, I fucking ruined that office today. Man, did I torpedo that meeting with the managers? Holy shit, was I rude to that guy that was an investor? Like, that was mishandled. Um, so, I think the first step is admitting, as entrepreneurs that maybe get a lot of accolades, that I'm not as good as people think I am, right? I'm not even as good as I think I am. And you're human. I'm I'm more than, I'm less than human, right? I'm I'm no but I am. I mean I wouldn't say that. No, I but I mean say to that. say where where I am I am an extremely passionate individual and that comes with its pros and cons. Yeah. And it's important for me to identify those cons and be aware of them and every day try and get better better. And also don't overuse the word sorry, but never be afraid to admit wrong and apologize. Mm. Because there's things that I didn't like that I created that I blamed on other people. And are parts of those realities other people's faults? Yes. But if I am the big boss, if I am the if, I'm the, if I'm one of the, if I'm me and Nate are the guys, and I don't like one of these scenarios or one of these environments, well, I use this line a lot recently. It's like, you know, people say shit rolls downhill, right? Yeah. Like if, if the boss ain't happy, then the VP's not happy and it goes yeah, downhill. yeah, yeah. Well, when it's, when there's all that shit piling up, you know, as the guy at the top, you're sitting on a pile of shit, right? So it's, it's important for me, how I'm going to grow, how I'm going to change over the next couple of years is to get better, not just technically, but also emotionally and to grow and to, 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 to understand what causes me to tick and to A, do whatever I can to avoid those situations, and B, when they do arise to keep a level head, and avoid having those moments when I get home and I'm in my apartment at the end of the day, and I'm beating myself up and I'm running through that conversation that I really wish didn't go that way. Because I can be abrasive, and I can be direct, and I can be blunt, and all those things that we mentioned, but I don't like to be that guy. Mm. I'm tired of being that guy. I don't wanna be him anymore. I wanna be motivational. So I'm in a position in my career where I'm maybe it's turning thirty-three and like I said, you know, fifteen years in the business, being able to look at myself and say, Maybe you ain't that hot, Maklovich. Maybe you gotta maybe it's time to work on yourself a little bit. And I'm I'm proud of that. And then another big thing is I've been really blessed to have an incredible group of people both work with me, but also around me. I've got incredible chefs, people with an unbelievable wine knowledge, amazing clothing brands that are friends of mine, designers, and like you know, I thankfully they respect me, and if I ask them to go for lunch and want to ask their opinion or ask for their help, they'll help me. So it's asking for more help, and being more real about my own shortcomings. I think is how I'm going to reach those goals that we're talking about, um, for the most part. That was a good monologue. Thank you. Well, you asked me. You said it was a tough question. <laughs> Got to give you a good answer. You know.
0: Here's another thing that I'm very talk interested to, in. Talk to and me. so the journey that we're on right now, the journey that KBD is on right now. Mm-hmm is and i've spoken to you about this i woke up one day and i said you know what if we're really going to differentiate ourselves from our competitors other insurance brokers other insurance companies we have to bring more to the table than just hey save four hundred dollars in your car insurance we have to be different which is why we're trying to do things like this interviews podcasts other forms of content other forms of video content
1: one thing that can i ask you a question Quickly? I was going to ask you first no but go ahead I want to ask you sure. a question yeah go for it um so I think for me 400 hundred say 400 dollars on your auto insurance yeah whatever brand Aflac whoever the fuck that is talking about are that
0: you giving shit, me a free consultation right now? I'm, I'm, I have a question for you okay
1: I think that um <laughs> the discount you'll be you'll be more affordable if you come with us yeah. is one value add mm-hmm. I think that the so this is my challenge this is my question to you what you're talking about with your podcast is creating a lifestyle or creating a, a, um, a voice for your company, getting people to understand you as the founder, getting to understand your values, getting them to understand the kind of people you work with. And the, putting the, co- a face the Putting country. a face to the company. Putting a face to the company and also building a culture around that, yep. understanding the kind of people it is. Yep. Now, that isn't as much of a value add. That's a like kind of a, a cultural development and, and you know, you're building the culture of your company, um, in my opinion. I think that a value add would have more to do with the user experience, right? Your UX when yep. it comes to insurance, mm-hmm. um, the relationship you have with your broker. Yep. Obviously, the savings are great, but how can you make this feel more supported and less, you know, I had a couple tough insurance. I totaled a car this year, got another car stolen, I had a couple weird experiences. Our businesses mm-hmm. deal with insurance all the time. Um, I think the culture is one thing, but. Are you also asking yourself what can you change on the UX?
0: That is the most important part by far, for sure. This is just more of a brand awareness campaign, for I sure. guess you could say. Because when it comes down to it, yes, pricing is obviously important, but the
1: user experience is also extremely important. And I think and often what people get the most fed up with, the re- like why people change insurance companies is they didn't like their UX. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the the app they're using or their online login. That means just the relationship times, they have with their the bro- yeah. brokers, the answer they get from their brokers, their yeah. expectations versus their reality. I think that's a lot of what we're like
0: people. a big metric. You're absolutely right. A big metric that we always focus on is hold times so where people are calling. But then there's also two types. I mean, I, we can go down this rabbit hole, but I don't want to go. I don't want to talk too much no about problem. me, but we'll just make it short. I mean, There's there's typically speaking two types of clients for let's let's forget commercial insurance for now. Let's just talk about home Mm -hmm. and car insurance because we do all three. Put that plug in there. (laughs) (laughs) Quebec and Ontario. Um, There's two types of clients. There's a client that doesn't care who they speak to. They just want to get an answer right away. And there's a client that always wants to speak to the same person Mm -hmm. and get them to know their file. It's very difficult to juggle both. We just hired someone. We just hired um, this lady by the name of Pam. And so she's going to be handling our VIP friends, family, all that kind of stuff, The, the white glove stuff, I guess you could say. So we're trying to solve that. But then there's a whole other slew of people that go, I don't care who I speak to. Just let me speak to someone immediately right now. So it is very difficult to judge to juggle both of those at the same time. One thing we do look at for the user experience, for sure, is hold times. No one likes to be on hold for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. That's a metric we always look at, and we're always trying to improve. Mm-hmm. But then you also have to have realities. So it's if you're trying to improve that, can I ask a follow-up it, question? It, but here, if you you can't improve it to the point, if there's no hold time, that means
1: you're overstaffed. But have you thought about? Have you thought about? I I, I get hold time. Yeah, I get whole time. Mm-hmm. I think where I'm trying to challenge you, or, ch- or the where I'm, what the question I'm actually asking is, yeah. I believe that whole time would be a thing that your competitor is also worrying about. Yes. What I'm challenging you with is, what are you worrying about that your competitor isn't worrying about? How
0: well trained our brokers are, and there's some insurance brokers that are better than others this is just reality in any business you're gonna have high that are better than others have point. high level yeah. employees middle lower end how can we level up everyone that's there and how can we make once the client is on the phone with a broker how can we make that as enjoyable as as possible at the end of the day when and you're calling do, your
1: insurance firm it's rarely for a good you're really in a good mood
0: rarely i mean it's most of the time for a change of address change of car your renewal or, or you a have a claim, a claim. and it, nobody's
1: making a claim with a smile on their face no no
0: especially a home claim yeah or a car or auto whatever car sucks but the home claims with a flood in the basement or a
1: fire or whatever yeah those suck yeah, yeah. but the imagine.
0: the yeah. floods are super super common People well especially on the, the island and stuff like that
1: mm-hmm. okay we can talk about me now
0: <laughs> did i answer
1: you did Did I, answer no, your I, I want you to think about that though that what are you worrying about that you're because I I get your training and I think, but if yeah. uh, if I were to be real with you, How, I, what's the I wow bet you, factor? I bet you that your 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 competition is also considering training.
0: I I of, of course, and I totally agree with you. So the th- only challenge with insurance, though, is because especially when it comes to car insurance, but car and home insurance, it's being commodi- It's a commodities. It's very difficult to offer a super unique experience when you're selling or
1: servicing a commodity. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I I th- I think that.
0: And that's not to say we're not we're, we're trying no, but to improve that, on that. Things, that but is where if I was to speak
1: to somebody like at yourself who has a very successful insurance business that's growing quickly, one of the challenges I would ask is let's say a consultant or somebody who is like, Hey Zach, how do I grow my business? How do I improve my culture? What can I do differently? Well ask yourself what can we do differently that my that what am I smarter than? Again, this is one of them. This is a part of it, but I don't know how much of this is a value add to your customer. So what can you do differently that your other insurance companies are? And if you're saying nothing, then what you're doing here is more than enough. But I would challenge you that I'm sure there are it's things. It's
0: definitely not nothing. And there's other stuff. For example, last year we tried implementing a chat. And for whatever reason, people in Quebec and Ontario, they barely used it. And what ended up happening was people go on the chat. If you don't answer answer them within 10 seconds, then they call the line anyways. And then they go back on the chat. And while they're on hold, they'll speak to a broker on chat. They'll wait to actually speak to someone on the phone. And they'll stop And then you have two broke. Yeah. It's it's really – it's it's not easy to make people happy have you been, when it have comes you, to – Have
1: you been following any of this uh, chat? GPT? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wild, eh? Amazing. Chat Amazing. GPT. Wow. So
0: that's actually something because we have um, – Natalie's a content creator, so she's our blogger, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking to her about it. The first thing I said was, Nat, don't worry about it. Like, this isn't going to replace your – your job because a lot of content creators are like holy shit this thing can do my job but what it yeah. can do and we're looking it up so especially when it comes to search engine optimization it's going to be really easy so once you actually have the keywords you want to go after and you have all the format and you have all the questions you want to address it will do the, all the work for you Yeah, it's not always right. I've No, you have to triple check. Yes, I spent a couple hours on it, though, just playing around. But I would
1: strongly, I would strongly, there was a fantastic, uh, I I really like podcasts. It's one of the reasons why I'm happy to be here today. But I I listen to Al Jazeera's The Take really often. I don't know if you know it. It's a really great, interesting podcast. And they did, they interviewed the guy who was in charge of Google's X department, which is essentially like what started like self-driving cars. They're like, this guy's a fucking genius. And he talks about like the, the, his concerns with ai well, Man, i know it's really worth it's worth I checking know. out essentially we're all going to be unemployed but it should be fun we could start doing sports again so, <laughs> um yeah
0: ai is Have you ever seen the movie ex machina or ex machina i like sci-fi I and stuff like that ex machina yeah. you ever seen it
1: yeah we're in trouble i also play a lot of video games like cyberpunk and, and
0: remember like you know what i'm not gonna spoiler alert actually yeah, spoiler alert remember at the end of the movie and not only did the AI honest, I was really high when I
1: watched it. I gotta watch that shit again. I, I don't remember this. I would think I've probably slept through half of it. I gotta watch it again.
0: Okay, so you know what? I'm not gonna tell you the ending. Okay. It's it's you have to watch the whole movie. In cause... fact,
1: spoiler, not in Yeah. Keep it's watching. Not,
0: it's not a spoiler spoiler alert anymore. All that you know is
1: that I'm gonna watch the movie and then we can talk about it. For episode two of Zach on the Freemium Podcast. Are you gonna post it on your Instagram? For sure. That was
0: my next question for you. Talk okay, to me. so one thing, this is something that, you know, personally, I'm not gonna lie. I don't like Instagram. I find that Instagram gives me FOMO. I can't live in the present. I don't like looking at my stories. It makes me go, oh, my God, look what everyone else is doing. It looks so fun. And I'm not happy with me being me where I am right now. It, that's I find it takes <laughs> me – It's it doesn't help me live in the present. Okay. It adds anxiety to I my life. I understand that completely. And, um, but one thing that I, I wish I didn't feel this way because it is a great tool to use to – Build your personal brand or the brand of a business, and this is something that again. So here we're back to pumping your tires. Let's go, it's <laughs> Curtis. <laughs> it's something that you're
1: you're good at. You have. I'm pr- I'm not even very good at it, right? Like I got what? I got ten thousand followers and eleven thousand. I checked today,
0: eleven thousand five hundred.
1: But so it's pretty. Mo- it's pretty mid. I
0: understand, but the followers that you have are, it's a good following. Because sometimes people can have a hundred thousand followers I and they'll get joke, two comments. So I, I on make
1: them. this joke all the time. I think there's a million people with a hundred thousand followers. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like I don't think that followers means that much. I think that um, I think what I'm good at or what I like in life is making friends. Whether those be online friends or IRL friends, and often those lines get blurred.
0: You like making friends, but let's be honest, you look at it, because this is what I do, I look at it as a win win. I go, you know what? I'll be able to expand my personal brand at the same time, and I'll be able to make a friend. I'm interested in speaking to other people. I, so I don't think, I, I honestly don't think about it that way. Really? At all. Okay. I,
1: I think that for me, I have huge uh, anxiety and insecurity about Instagram. I'm nervous about every picture I post. I overthink it. I thank God for that guy, Tom. They, I think he proofreads everything I post. Um, at least I'm like, am I going to look lame like this? He's like, yes. I'm like, okay, I won't be posting that okay. one. Um, but for me, Instagram is my BBM. It's my MSN Messenger. It's my, uh, it's the Zach Maklovich newsletter. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's both how I communicate and how I show what I'm doing. Now, again, I think that I'm blessed to live a bit of a, a bit of a high-paced, very fun lifestyle these days. I'm surrounded by people that I am e- eternally amazed by, and that um, really I get to live great experiences. And when I get to post those, you know, I get to share what I'm doing with people. I I like to share that because I I think without trying to sound overly altruistic, which we both know I'm not, um, I like to show to people that whether you're a only child from a middle-class household in the West Island or wherever you come from, you can find yourself in some pretty amazing places if you work your ass off and do what you love. You know? Um, and I don't know if that comes off in what I'm posting or if I... I always try to remind people that, like, whether it be myself or Nathan or really a lot of the people that we hang out with, none of these super successful people I know, or the vast majority of them, um, I'm talking like A list designers, top notch musicians, whatever, it's rare that they started with anything. And so, what I get along with, the reason why I'm friends with these people is because we can relate to the fact that we've. Exceeded our expectations or attained our goals at a young age, or at whatever you know. I like to consider myself still young. I'm 33, but um, I think you're young. I like to think I'm young. Thank you. I think you look uh, pretty good for your age too. I do. I've been, you know, I've been growing this beard out for about a month. Uh, you have a great skincare routine. I do. Aesop baby. Sponsor ab- me.
0: You talk about it all the time. I do.
1: I do. I actually was thinking about starting an OnlyFans um, <laughs> where I would do shirtless skincare, very sensually. Wow. Yeah. After my. one of your workouts. Um, yeah yeah make sure the pump's on you know give it that it's just an idea i have
0: you never but. talk about the fact you work out all the time
1: i i don't talk about it online i talk <laughs> about it in person a lot a lot it's def- I, there's one thing that people who spend any real time with me know is that i really like talking about myself i really am a self-promoter at heart uh get that from my mom um shut up Marilyn. um so yeah i, I like to think social media is what you give it what you let it be Right, I, I understand why you feel the way you do, and I feel that way too a lot of the time. Um, but I has also, it
0: helped your business?
1: Oh my God, absolutely, mm. absolutely. I think it's unrealistic to think that. It that that's the thing that's undeniable. But you have to understand that my business also directly plays into Instagram. Yeah. Like, I, do I think that? Cause Instagram. Do I think is, that your Instagram is going to help your insurance firm? No, I think that as no. your insurance firm continues to grow and as your personal brand continues to expand, as the owner and cool guy behind an awesome insurance firm that is doing things differently is making a lot of money, you're driving a nice car, you're going on great trips, whatever it might be, more people are going to start listening to you. Mm -hmm. And the way you can show them your success is by posting that on Instagram. Now, is that kind of a dark way of looking at it, that Instagram is a place for you to show off? Yeah, but that's what people want to see. I know. That's what they want to see, that you just got a new watch, or that you finally got that Bronco that they made you wait 12 months for, whatever it might be. Um, But that's what people are going to be like, man, Curtis is fucking killing it. Did you see that new car he's got? Man, his insurance company must be doing great. Did you hear Start he started a new podcast? Man, we got to subscribe to that shit. Freemium podcast, everywhere you want to listen to podcasts. <laughs> um, no, but really, I think that that's... Uh, I think that Instagram has obviously helped our businesses. Um, but I think that mine and Nate's personal Instagram has helped St. Woods. I think St. Woods' Instagram has helped mine and Nate personal. You know, same for Tom and everybody on our team. Um, same for the hospitality projects. But the truth is, is that there's a lot of brands that have far bigger Instagram followings than me, that don't do the sales we do, that don't do, that aren't in the kind of retailers that we, that don't kind of get the same kind of international celebrity support that we do. Um, I don't think anything is as important as authentic culture and community. It just isn't, right? You gotta believe what you're selling, you gotta have people that believe in you, around you, you gotta have fans of your product, That's what's going to grow your business. The biggest Instagram in the fucking world, if nobody gives a shit, if it's just people subscribing because they want to, like, you know, whatever. Great. I think what you you
0: just said is totally true. Having a community, having a network, it's so important.
1: Having a following. How much of your business, just in comparison, how much of your business would you say comes from referral? 33%. You would know that. You know that already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I think the bar and restaurant business, like something that my partner, Ray, he was one of the guys that founded St. Woods with Nate. He's no longer a partner in the St. Woods company, but he's our main partner. He's the main quarterback of St. Woods Vodka. Amazing individual. Um, he's actually a, a, a director. He got a guy out of jail for a documentary he did. The guy's incredible, this guy Ray Klonsky. Um, he has this mantra that me and Nate bring up all the time where it's you gotta, I don't know if he came up with it, but for, I'm gonna credit it to Ray. I give this credit to Ray. But for people to believe in your brand, they gotta hear about it in three different places. They got to see it in the wild. They got to see it out and go. What what was that? That was kind of cool. I don't know what that is. My fault. I like the name. I like the ad. What is that? They got to hear from it from somebody that they look up to. Mm-hmm. Whether that be somebody that they know, or they don't know, but somebody that they respect. They got to hear that person talking about it. And then um, it's they got to see it in the wild. They got to hear from somebody they respect, and they got to hear about it from a total stranger. If those three things happen, the person believes that your product exists. It exists to them. After that, they'll right. remember it. And, and I think that that, if you distill what that says, it's that you need an, a wide community and a lot of touch points for people to interact with what you Absolutely, do. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I I think that whatever business you're doing, whether it be a hospitality, whether it be insurance, whether it be clothing, whether it be carpets, um, you need to make sure that people love your product enough or support you enough or support your community and your culture enough to want to tell people about it. And you gotta hope that that trickles down where a friend of a friend of a friend is telling somebody else and that original person you're trying to target overheard them say it, right? Now you can do that in a number of ways. You can do that through create creative marketing. You can do that through giving gifts to people by giving them the best service they've ever had. I just read this great book. I really think everyone should read it. It's called Unreasonable Hospitality. By Will Guadara, Guadara, you were talking to me about
0: that. What a book! What did you take home from that book?
1: Everything, because
0: you've been you've been talking about this. I you've been ch- raving about this. I've been, this. Ra- I, you know, I. You made a get... post on your Instagram about this. I did a story post. No, no, no it was not a hard post. It was a story <laughs> post. I me mean, a
1: break. She was gone to, there today, gone tomorrow. But I really and I was... actually
0: remember that post because I, re- I remember going through. You how you have great stories by Thank the way. Thank you. And you said something 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 something, and I re- I don't know why I remember these two words: dangerously motivated. And I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was a well it was. So the the book talks about, about this. the
1: book is a short read, probably 300 pages, if that, two hundred and seventy five pages. About um, about this guy, Will Guadara, who started off as the hospital started off in the hospital industry very young, and by the age of twenty five, he was twenty five or twenty six, he was given the helm of what was then a two star bistro, part of the Shake Shack group. It was eleven Madison Park. It was the aging from whatever that group is—I can't remember the name of the, their hospitality group—but he was given the reins of this of this project, and him and they had just brought in a new chef. And he explains how, through hospitality and through really focusing on offering the best product and making customers feel the most seen and evolving your product and constantly working at it, and almost like a Mr. Miyagi wax on, wax off kind of way, he turned and him and his partner turned that business from a New York Times two-star Bistroton and rated the number one restaurant in the world. And uh, he did it by being the best boss and the best host he could possibly be. And by empowering people and by giving them the training they need and the time to grow, by giving people challenges that they felt that they could conquer and that motivated them, and and creating a culture of excellence. And it was the book... This kind of reflects back on what we were speaking on earlier about me going from the twenty-three-year-old me to the thirty-three-year-old me. Um,
0: and what did this book? This make book you showed me that
1: the feelings I was. What did it make you realize? It made me realize that I could do this, mm-hmm. that I can improve. So it gave you that com- we can do this. Sorry, so it gave that you we can do this. It gave you confidence. More than confidence, it almost gave me a road map. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It was definitely. I, I look, bro. I read it. in... 10 days to give you an idea, think, like devoured this thing.
0: Here, here's my next question. By all the you, way, reading you, is the
1: most important thing an entrepreneur can do. I, I agree. Reading and podcasts and I education totally is, it is, it is not networking. It is not even. It's necessary. It is. If you are not educating yourself. Totally agree. Away from your career. Yep. You will never grow.
0: That's one thing I need to improve on. I'm a big podcast. I do listen to yeah, a lot of podcasts. But there's a difference there. I re- I need to read more, and I know I need to read more. But th- the question here, I had a follow up question to that. So after reading this book, do you think that you can achieve the goals that you want to achieve by staying here in Montreal? Do you well, think I'm not staying to-
1: here? So I, so I'm staying here in Montreal in the sense where this is going to be my home base. I'm opening up more businesses here. I don't want to move from Montreal, but my businesses aren't staying in Montreal. I'm expanding. I've already expanded to LA and Toronto. I'm expanding to Miami in March. Hopefully New York. 2024, Europe 2025, Asia 2027. You know, like that's that's for apartment 200. The clothing brand. It's not like I'm just selling at Montreal stores. Sold all over the world right now. I think that Montreal is an incredible launching pad. Incredible. You cannot find a place with cheaper rent and more amazing young people that were willing to work for less than anywhere else in the world because they can still afford to live. Mm-hmm and they are excited about culture and they're excited about community and they dress well and they're cool and they're plugged in, like Joey over here, um, who will help you get to where you wanna go. You know, um, Don't get me wrong, I know there's a couple billionaires that came out of Montreal, but if you wanna hit those- None group, of them
0: are here anymore. None of them
1: are here anymore. Because <laughs> if you really wanna get to that next level, you need to use it as a launch pad. Yeah. But I think that goes for a lot of B cities. Like yeah. I love Montreal, it's an A plus city to me. If you put it on the global landscape, on the international We're a B city. Yeah. What a great B city. Yeah. I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Montreal who isn't who, who isn't from here. If you're yeah. from here, you'll say a ton of bad things about yeah. this place. Yeah. But if you're not from here, they love when you go anywhere yeah. in the world, you should be brought from Montreal, they go, Oh, I love that place. Yeah. Oh, it's such a cute place. It's so city. fun, it's so cool, very European. Yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> um my say. Uh, so I think that um I So I, do
0: you do you do you see yourself so you want to keep your residents here in montreal just be traveling
1: everywhere right, Well, right all now the time. i'm here about two weeks a month okay um, my biggest challenge is my, my biggest fear or my, not my my biggest concern and what i'm trying to figure out and iron out is with this new culture i want us to reach an overall for all of our businesses how can i attain that being in the office 50 percent of the time mm. it's tough so i don't have the an, I, don't, I don't have the answer sway so but
0: because that's always one thing, you know, I, I feel the same way as you. I love Montreal. And it's not like I want to sell the business or anything like that. But I want to go to Toronto. Toronto is, if you want to make it in business in Canada, I feel like it's the place to be. Are there pros and cons to any city? Of course. And I've never lived in Toronto. Every time I go, I love visiting there. I'm sure if I lived there, I'd find some cons. Well, I think but that, I, I think that though... But it's just like the, the, the opportunity... So the we, networking. we would not be able to... I, would I, just, not. Want, I just want to say this, though, because the networking I find, and just the people I've met in Toronto, the networking capabilities in Toronto, just because of the, the scale that's so much bigger than here in Montreal, I just feel like if you really prioritize business it's the place to be so
1: i would not have been able we would not have been able to attain the amount of uh growth or 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 developing up new markets if we weren't a duo right like nate goes and opens up the projects yeah i then manage i this isn't entirely it's not black and white but for for all intents and purposes nate goes and expands and i manage i keep what we have your operations i'm yeah but i'm not operations because like i'm the, we're well, let's say the owners of the team. Nate's going to make sure that we buy more teams, okay, mm. or or develop more teams. He's expanding the league. Yeah, he's expanding well, our our impact, or he's opening. He's putting us in different leagues. He's Not putting a different. He's whatever. Doesn't fully work for sports, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Now. W- I have a GM in each spot, and then the GM, you need your offensive coordinator, you need your defensive coordinator, you need your coach, you need your wide receiver, you need your quarterback, right? Um, Nate's goal is to, and I, our goal, but Nate's kind of tends to focus more on getting us to open up more and more teams. Where I'm kind of, what, what, I, what my role has kind of become is keeping those teams that we've opened on the right track and moving in the right direction. Because not, not all of us can do everything, right? Um, to your point, we, I said this pretty early on in this interview, um, like I don't design the clothes anymore, right? Uh, not that I ever really did, we always had Tom and Nate, and it was more of a community or committee thing. Um, but I was spending so much time arguing with Nate, I wanted it to look one way, he wanted it to look the other. Um, and you said that the other day. The Unless best decision, kinda the best go, decision yeah. I ever made, or the best decision we ever made was When I stepped back, I started wearing the clothes more. Because it wasn't 50% of what I wanted and 50% of what he wanted. He was doing a great job and doing an amazing. Would you say that they're better designers than you are? I think that they're doing an amazing job at expressing what the St. Woods culture is and they are designing some incredible clothing that I'm so proud to wear and sell and market. Um, I think that if I was the lead designer and Nate was doing marketing, it would look different and feel different. Um, in some ways, and in a lot of ways it would probably be the same, but I'm so proud of what they do. And now when I do have an idea or I do send something to Tom and Nate, it's not like a debate. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, that's a good idea. We'll try and include this. It's not like I need to be the biggest dick on this design table. Like, what do I give a shit? Not that yeah. what do I give a shit? It's they're doing an incredible job. Egos are put aside. Egos are put aside, yeah. and I think that that's a big thing. You know, Both myself and Nate have pretty big egos you don't get to where you are you know i don't think we get we would be where we were if we didn't have these egos um,
0: and that's okay but you
1: got to learn how to work with each other you know yeah. there's a amount of times that like i, I was talking to, to Pete about this yesterday It was a story about my great uncle was a fantastic businessman and he had his business partner from, i think the mid his, his mid 20s until they both passed in their late 80s they were business partners the whole way through and he had a line 60 years or something like that created made up they made fortunes together imagine how many stories they have of wanting to kill each other no well that's it, is <laughs> it. he said would you rather hate your partner or hate your boss good lines you know and and the truth is is that when you are in the trenches and you go to war which is what we do every single day as entrepreneurs um to your point when you were saying the kind of people who listen to this podcast or entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs that's the hardest job in the entire world i mean probably yeah, yeah. being like an emergency like an emt or like a fireman's definitely harder or like in the military or some shit but being an entrepreneur the emotional stress that you go under that's um, that's the big thing that it's, like it's I'm mentally draining but just to finish the the yes, point i was making yeah. um was that you can you can choose to be a solo warrior you go to battle with somebody every time like I, i'd rather go to war with nate uh, by my side as often as possible we don't always agree on the same battle strategy or on the the, the best first play or second play, but you got to have a bit of give and take there. Sometimes he listens to me, and sometimes I listen to him. You know, um, most of the time we're just both listening to Thomas. So it's just overall, it's a uh, it's a team sport. And if you try and do it all on your own, let me say this to all aspiring entrepreneurs out there: it's going to be really hard. And I don't. I, I personally think it's more fun finding a business partner. Or, or, or you a, need someone
0: who you can bounce ideas well, And off when of. it comes
1: to that expansion as well, right? Like, I wouldn't be open in Toronto and L.A. if I didn't have Nate that could go to Toronto and go to L.A. to open up these projects. Period. Mm. Just th- that is a... Full stop. That is full stop. Yeah. I would never have done that. I wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, and But that being said, and not to... To my own. I don't know if Nate would have been able to do that if I wasn't here to watch our shops here. And that's what makes to a make good, sure, to makes sure a that good the, team. But the amount of people who come up to me and say, don't you feel some type of way that Nate's over there? Look at him. He's always giving the finger in his pictures. always on a beach, shirtless, working out. He looks so fucking happy and cool. Look at you. You're stressed and, and miserable. You don't even have a tan. That's what they'll say to me. People say crazy shit like that sometimes. Um, and it doesn't bother me. Like it, When I tell you, I lose sleep over a lot of things. My business partner having fun in a new market does not bother me no matter how hard it is here because it might look like rose is opening up a new bar restaurant but that's fucking impossible going out by yourself into a new market often underfinanced, no no real connections pounding the pavement to find a location find a lawyer get your license that's a hard fucking work period and i thank god i'm not a religious man but i thank the big man every day that i got a partner who's got the cojones to go out and do that right because that's what's helping us expand right now and does that mean that i get to watch the the home front that ain't that bad bro i'm happy with what i'm doing and i think that people i always know the level of immaturity of an entrepreneur or somebody's like i want to talk to you i want to be an entrepreneur <laughs> doesn't it bother you the way that nathan is gone and you're here i'm like man you don't get it you know you ain't there yet you'll see how it, yeah. you'll see what it's like it's like uh, you know takes two to tango yeah, and, but and th-
0: that's a sign of a of a good partnership. But for us, it takes ten to when, tango. Because I also have saying, Pete here. Ideas, I got Kit in Toronto. I got yeah. like,
1: you know what I mean. You need to have partners that have strengths that you don't have. Yeah. Period.
0: And it doesn't work like if you're there. So for example, it, it doesn't work without them, and it doesn't
1: work without you. Yeah. It's, it's I really that's when I say I think Nate was the first yin to my yang. It was somebody that could like, he's you know I'm a talkative, chatty, overly friendly dude. Nate's a little bit more quiet and reserved, and don't get me wrong, he's unbelievably nice and smart, and he can talk about anything in the world, but he's more reserved, you know? Um, That's proved to be great with us, you know? I get along very well with the rappers' managers, Nate gets along very well with the rappers themselves. Like, it's like we both have our different demos. I wanna finish up here. We gotta be done already? 10 minutes, damn stay here all day. We should have a radio
0: show. We're gonna we're gonna do a second one. We yeah, have sure. to. Yeah, we'll yeah. do a second one. I wanna. I just wanna finish up, and we can even mi- perhaps, or you can even perhaps give a little teaser for the next one. So you ran for, <laughs> or you wanted to. No, it's, I, this is no. This, you're is, right. this is super cool. This is. And you ran to be the mayor of the Plateau, Montreal Plateau. I did. This was a couple years ago. Five years ago. Geez, five years already. Four years ago, I think so. It was five years during COVID four years during COVID. What did you learn about municipal politics or politics in general? I, this is a super broad question.
1: And yeah we can start scratching the I, I think that I'll, I hear your question and yeah. I will answer my own question. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Rule number one of being a politician. <laughs> yes, I
1: hear what you said and now I will answer my own way. Yeah.
0: Uh, no, I that's think- That's actually, by the way, like that's, that's, that's not one bad. of the first things- Did you things hear they,
1: about this politician in uh, New York? the About guy what happened the guy's and he's a. he's a Republican but okay. he ran he said that he would like worked at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup and all these crazy all things fake. it was all fake his whole CV was fake I mean and they caught it's him not not the first time this no but has it's happened. it's hilarious like the depth he said he had a charity that saved thousands of dogs never had a charity was oh like, pretty pretty questionable interesting yeah Dog pretty charity pretty questionable cool. dude but he's like, I'm still gonna run. I'm. St-. He won the seat. He, they can't. He still won. He no. He won, and he's not. Okay, they found out after he had already won the seat. And he's got not. It. And he's he's, he's in Washington at the House of Representatives. He refuses to, to to, to resign. <laughs> kind of crazy politics. 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 It's so crazy. It's greasy. super greasy. So um, yeah, how was Montreal politics? Oh well, I'm gonna start by saying how I got there. I'll say how I ended up in that position. Yeah. You know, there's like that, me, is there, there's like that, like audio tidbit on TikTok. It's like, and this is when I realized it all went wrong or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason why I ended up there. So, when we first opened up the bars and restaurants, I was invited to run for the Merchants Association, to be on the board of executives for the Merchants Association of Saint Laurent. Um, I've worked at the SDBSL, which is the largest merchants association in Montreal which makes it one of the largest ones in Canada. So we're pretty, we represent, I think 10,000 businesses. We have a $2 million a year budget, all to like raise awareness about our, I think maybe more than that, but all to raise awareness about our street, what goes on and and support the merchants and and businesses there. I'm now the VP of that board, um, but that's how I first kind of got into politics because we deal a lot directly with the borough and a lot with like elected officials because we need to ask for permits and we need to ask for them to change the laws or to give us government support whatever it might be at the same time i'm the uh, music director for the art festival in montreal which is the mural festival um, and we're actually the largest art festival in canada and the largest street art festival in north america so i do all the music programming for them as well funnily enough maybe this might be a little nepotistic but the SDBSL is one of the major partners of the Mural Festival because it happens on Saint Laurent, so we finance them quite a bit. I've always been very implicated in both the festival and the board now for close to 10 years, and it was through those networks that I met the mayor at the time, Denis Coderre. We hit it off. We really got along. At the time, I think I was like 25 or 26 years old. When we first met, maybe younger, I think we first met, I was like 23. We became friends until I was about 26, and that's when he asked me, was 26 or 27 was when he asked me to run for office. Um, and I was like, Denis, I don't know. Like I did study political science. He said, listen, you gotta run against Luke Frandes who I'd had some negative experiences with. He since had a nervous breakdown and resigned. Guy's a bit of a character. But, uh, um, and he said, you just have to run against him. I just want a young, young candidate, but I don't really think you have a chance of winning this race. I just, he's the head of the opposition and I'd like you, I think you'd be a good kind of balance. And this was an election that Denis was expecting to win outright the election circuit starts and the media Denis had made a couple decisions that we disagreed on that i wish he would have chose otherwise but i think that the media really got him for uh the pitbull ban was like a weird choice i did not i did not agree with that i felt that it was going to alienate a lot of people and the interesting thing was that it wasn't even his that's not even for him to make like that that's a provincial decision it doesn't need to be municipal like he didn't you ha- could have just been like oh that's up to the province like i don't need to involve i'm sorry that this happened to this woman but like i don't know i'm not going to ban these dogs right he chose taxis over ubers now he did that because he wanted to ensure that that's the section of the population that taxi drivers are a part of Continue to support him because he already had a lot of yeah, population of in that demographic. Yeah. What he failed to realize is that by choosing that, he was alienating all the people that used Ubers that yeah. were f- arguably way more than the taxi yeah. thing, right? And the young people and this and that. And then he made a couple other decisions where he didn't talk about the erase race and all these. He made a couple weird... He, he chose some weird talking points, put it that way, and the media just started hammering him nonstop. Well, all of a sudden, I had to get myself in the ring. It wasn't so much just hey, I want you to just sit there, it's like, it's like I need you on this radio show, or hey man, we're going campaigning today, or hey, I need you to be beating the, beating the path, and you know, shout out to Nate. Um, from the beginning, he's like, this is a fucking bad idea. It's like, this is a terrible idea. It's like, well, you're not gonna have any time for our shit. Nate, I got this. He was right, I had no time. I was completely overworked, we had too much shit going on. He never wished me good luck. <laughs> Day of the election, man never wished me good luck. He was right though. Um, <laughs> And it was an incredible. It was. It was. Yeah. It was an incredible learning experience. Um, I'll say. On one hand, the thing I felt disappointed about was that when we were running the campaign, when I signed on, I was expecting to maybe have a little bit more of an infrastructure and a stronger campaign manager, and really like more funding to kind of do advertising and things like that. Like that wasn't really there. Maybe I was holding myself to more of like an American political standard rather than a municipal Canadian Canadian municipal standard one mistake I made. The other thing that really blew me away though was just how much power municipal politics holds. Um, They decide everything. You think that it's not a big deal to be a city councilor, they decide noise ordinances, they decide permits, they decide how your streets get repaired, if they get repaired, where your money's going. They spend your tax dollars. These random politicians who are often getting into politics, and I don't want to knock them because they don't have other things going on. And that's where I think we have a huge issue in Canadian politics right now, is that we both love politics. We talk politics all the time. Sidebar, we talk politics all the time. Neither of us, I, I tried it. I'll tell you straight up, I ain't doing that again. They don't pay enough to get good people to get involved. So two, one of two things happens when you don't pay enough. You get somebody who's underqualified for the job because they're just, they're willing to do something that's very hard for not the right amount of money. Or you get somebody come in who's gonna try and steal money from you or or ingratiate themselves by their position, whether that's through, I'm not saying everyone's taking bribes, but you know, supporting their friends, a little bit of nepotism, et cetera, et cetera. We have a huge issue in Canada right now where we have an incredible surplus of amazing, young, intelligent, educated people and I will say, none of them I speak to, at least not enough of them, are implicating themselves in municipal politics. There is nothing that speaks more to your day-to-day life than who is running your city hall. You would be shocked if I could tell you all the things that they co- control. You would have, you'd be blown away. And on episode two of the Freemium Podcast with Zach McLevish. I, um,
0: I, I, I think, honestly, that's actually a really good place to leave it.
1: Yeah, I do too. I had a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you. you for coming, Joey. You're on, a fucking man. G, man. Oh, more, more love to Joey. More, show. you got to get a camera on Joey next time.
0: <laughs> no, I want. It's like the kind of the the running joke is, if you watch the Joe Rogan podcast and there's Jamie in the back, no one's ever seen a photo of Jamie. So just go, Jamie. Can uh, can you look that up for us, please, on Google? And he'll yeah. look it up and he'll post post it on the screen. No one knows what Jamie looks like, and it's been ten years. So, but
1: well, I don't know. If J- Joey has to be Jamie. Maybe Jamie's hideous and maybe joey's you know joey's this cute cool guy from vancouver he's got a great mustache got a great mustache i actually came with a bit of a mustache I was wearing that that's thing. not a mustache and on the second episode of the freemium podcast we'll be debating facial hair thank you Curtis. But, uh, zach congratulations thank you so, much. so
0: once again this is zach zach Maklovich. what up st woods what up apartment 200 etc 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 yeah is there anything uh final say would you like to leave the podcast with the freemium podcast with
1: well um you know, you
0: did a great job today. By thank the way. you. That had
1: a good time. If there's one thing I could say to the kind of people who I think like to listen to this podcast, all twelve of you, uh, <laughs> no, <I'll tell> you.
0: <laughs> not far off. no. no. But if, I think
1: if there's one thing to say, it's um, <laughs> being an entrepreneur. When you really care about something, if you decide to be an entrepreneur and do to work on the stuff that you really care about, it's going to be really hard, and And learn to love the ups and downs rather than chasing the ups because you're going to have more downs than ups. And if you spend all your time only waiting for the good moments to smile, you're going to burn yourself out. And that's something that I can say after 10 years of beating the shit out of myself that I'm starting to realize that it's important to go home and laugh at the good times the same way you go home and laugh at the bad times or whatever. Vice versa. Laugh at the bad times the same way you laugh at the good times. But um yeah. Well best said. of luck best of luck, y'all crazy motherfuckers.
0: Well said. Thank you very much, Zach. No doubt, excited for the next one. When are you coming on the next? When are you coming on next?
1: I think we do a monthly. No, I don't know. Uh you know, let's give it a couple months, maybe after the dive bar opens, after sure. Miami, we do something, give you a little update once the second yeah. version of the vodka comes out. Sure, I'd love that. Great. Great. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Thanks Zach.